Welcome to PTJ Author Interviews. PTJ Editor-in-Chief Alan Jetty talks with authors about the most interesting and sometimes surprising aspects of their work. And now, Dr. Jetty. I want to welcome listeners to this latest PTJ podcast. This is Alan Jetty, Editor-in-Chief of PTJ. And today I'm pleased to welcome as my guest, Dr. Christina Dealey Conright, who's on faculty at the Division of Biokinesiology and Physical Therapy and the Department of Medicine at the University of Southern California. Welcome, Christina. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me this morning. We're going to talk about a study she and her colleagues have recently published in PTJ. It's entitled Aerobic and Resistance Exercise Improves Shoulder Function in Women Who Are Overweight or obese and have breast cancer. I'll give listeners a brief summary, and then, Christina, you and I can talk about the study. The objective of this randomized controlled trial was to examine the effects of a 16-week supervised, progressive, moderate to vigorous aerobic and resistance exercise intervention on shoulder function in women who were overweight and had breast cancer. The study included a total of 100 women who were randomized to exercise or usual care groups. With respect to results compared with the usual care group, the exercise group demonstrated significant increases in the shoulder active range of motion, external rotation at zero degrees, and external rotation at 90 degrees, improved upper extremity isometric strength, as well as improved function of the arm, shoulder, and hand. Christina, let me say that I really enjoyed reading your study. It was very straightforward, very clear, and really a beautifully conducted trial. My first question has to do with the the background of this population. You stress in the introduction of your article that about two-thirds of women with breast cancer do experience significant musculoskeletal impairments of the upper extremity following various types of invasive interventions. I'm interested, and listeners may be as well, do most of these women receive rehabilitation of one type or another as part of traditional oncology care? Unfortunately, I do not believe so. Um, I think it heavily depends on the institution, on the oncologist, maybe the integration of oncology with physical therapy. Um, I can say from our study that not many of them were receiving the rehabilitation as part of their traditional trajectory. It often came down to just case-by-case basis based off of their specific needs, their specific um, conditions at the time, and then whether or not the oncologist referred to physical therapy. Therapy. I think that also it depends, too, on, of course, insurance um, and other types of, type of factors like that, access to rehabilitative care, et cetera. Um, I think that what was great about this study and that it uh, took place at USC is the location and the proximity of oncology care um, very near to where physical therapy care was provided. So that did at least make some ease in their ability to get forth to one another if they were going to seek to have physical therapy care at USC as well. But to answer your question, um, I do not believe that most receive rehab care as part of the traditional oncology care trajectory. Um, That could be an overstatement, but I do think it depends on institution and, of course, on the um, treating oncologist. Well, let's hope that your study as well as others help uh, change that. Absolutely. You note uh, that there's 
really a paucity of evidence regarding the prescriptive guidelines pertaining to intensity, type, and timing of exercise interventions in this population. And I think that's very common still in our field. Mm -hmm. uh, given that, how did you go about selecting your intensity, type, and dose of exercise for this trial? So we, in essence, kept it simple. We adhered or we developed an intervention that adhered to the American College of Sports Medicine and the American Cancer Society exercise guidelines for cancer survivors, and that includes 150 minutes of moderate to vigorous aerobic exercise plus two, at least two days of strength training. Um, so that's what we prescribed too. Um, we, the goal of the this particular study was not to challenge that paradigm or those prescription guidelines. The goal, of course, was was different. Was related more to metabolic outcomes. So we took simply what was already being prescribed just to the general cancer survivorship population and just employed it for the sake of this study. Of course, it was a progressive intervention, so every few weeks the program got progressively more challenging in order to continue to stimulate the patients to have a physiologic response to exercise. So we used moderate to vigorous intensity, and then we used aerobic and resistance exercise, um, and of course we dosed again based off of those guidelines. So we kept it fairly simple in order to show also that those guidelines could potentially have a benefit as it did in this case with the these outcomes related to the shoulder. Makes sense. You know, in reading the results of your study, I was very impressed with your adherence rates. Uh, you achieved very high session attendance of, of 96% across the 16 weeks, and then participation in the exercise prescription was around 95%. That's really quite remarkable given mm -hmm. other exercise studies that I'm aware of. How do you think you achieve such high adherence rates? I think, first off, the there were a number of factors, I think, that contributed, contributed to this. I think, first off, the patients were asked when they were available to actually come and exercise. And we catered to that as best as we could. So if they wanted Monday, Tuesday, Thursday at 6 a.m., then we find a qualified, certified trainer who could come at that particular time in order to train the particular patient. So that was one thing that really helped us in order to offer the exercise time based off of when they were available. And I think that was a critical component, and I know it's also a luxury that we had the ability to do that and had enough staff so that we were able to do that. So in essence, when we were recruiting patients, we tried to offer sort of this 24-7 model. We were open seven days a week, you know, could try to be open as best as we could at any hour that they requested. So having flexible times for them to come exercise, I think, is the first critical piece. Um, the other critical piece is that it was one-on-one -on -one supervised exercise. So in essence, it, it, it was almost like a personal training service. Although they were not selecting what they wanted to do um, or giving us feedback to change the intervention based off of what they liked and didn't like, they were getting a one-on-one -on -one exercise session every single time they came with an ACSM, American College of Sports Medicine, cancer exercise trainer. Um, and so that person took them through their exercise sessions every time. We also tried to pair them up with the same trainer as best as we could throughout the duration of their intervention. And then third, I think also what's important is that um, as, as a PI of the study, I, I was very, very involved and consented almost every patient. The study was, was fortunately funded off of a K award from the National Cancer Institute. It was the first major grant that I was awarded, and it was, of course, dedicated to seeing it through from beginning to end 
end, and I was had a lot of hands-on involvement in it and got to know the patients. So them not only getting to know myself, who they were doing the study for as a PI, but then also all of the trainers. Um, and I'm also proud to say that the trainers, most of them, were doctorate of physical therapy students in our program at USC. Um, so very highly motivated. They enjoy patient interaction. So unfortunately, I don't have data to support sort of these um, observations of why I think adherence was so high, but we're, we're planning to try to capture these types of measurements moving forward in some of our future clinical exercise interventions so that we can really figure out what was it specifically that allowed them to adhere so well. You know, it would be really interesting to see you take the results of this efficacy study and then replicate this approach trying to move toward more of an effectiveness study. Have mm -hmm. you and your colleagues thought about that? We have. We have, and we're in the process of trying to plan future studies in that area. Because I think people might question the generalizability of yes. uh, what you've achieved here, which would kind Absolutely. of set you up to do a really uh, interesting effectiveness trial. Absolutely. I agree. Thank you. The other thing that struck me, I was not surprised that you um, showed improvements at 16 weeks but very nicely were able to maintain them at a three-month follow-up. Did you include uh, any additional supervision during that follow-up period, or did you completely withdraw your intervention at the end of the 16 weeks? Yeah, we completely withdrew our intervention at the end of the 16 weeks. Um, all we instructed them to do during that additional follow-up phase is to continue to exercise if they have the resources to do so, but we didn't give them a take-home plan. We didn't give them resources to exercise on their own. All we gave them were exercise logs, accelerometry, um, so we could try to capture what they were doing in the pure sort of free-living environment. As you can tell by the adherence from your previous question, I think this was just a very highly motivated group of women. I can tell you that during the follow-up period, many of them continued to exercise. It was primarily in the form of outdoor walking, given the expense to join a gym and then necessity of having equipment to do resistance exercise. So many of them kept up some type of walking program, sort of self-designed walking program that they maintained. A handful of them did join a gym and were able to maintain resistance exercises as well. Did you look formally at changes in physical activity patterns in the exercise versus controls? Uh-huh. Yes, we did. And, and yeah, the exercise group was much more physically active. I think they were coming very, very close to hitting the required, the prescribed recommendations of 150 minutes per week. Again, that was mostly in the form of walking. That's really very nice. It was a nice. strength training component that's tricky for them to adhere to, given equipment necessary. Did you have a chance to look at the direct correlation of changes in range and strength with the changes in function that you saw? I was interested in and whether or not you were able to see a direct relationship between those various outcomes. We did, yes, um, and we did find a very strong correlation. This information was presented at CSM last year, or I should say in 2019, the most recent CSM by a doctorate of physical therapy student of mine where he presented these correlations in a, in a short talk, and they were very strong, which we were hoping to find, and we did. Great. You know, the participants who were in your study had just completed their breast cancer treatment, uh, and the results, as, as we've been discussing, were really quite positive. But was there any concern expressed over potential adverse effects by your team or by the Data Safety and Monitoring Board, given the, the nature of the population? 
Sure. So, so I had some. I mean, yes, I think there was concern. Just simply not not as to whether the exercise would be harmful, but just as to whether the patient was physically ready to participate in a rigorous exercise program. So we did, the way we controlled for that was to, they had to have physician's clearance in order to participate, primarily their oncologist, because there were some patients who we screened who may have needed to go to physical therapy first before they actually came to us. Um, so if that's the case, then that's what most likely happened. Um, but that actually, just by having that physician's clearance, was really the main way that we were able to control for that and keep an eye on that. Um, and what we found was was when the women came to us that they were physically capable of doing these upper extremity exercises, it was more their own sort of psychosocial concern and worry that we wanted to be very aware of, um, sort of fear of getting hurt or fear of, of any exacerbation of, of or worsening, I should say, of a healing process, et cetera. Um, so we, you know, was pres- the exercise was prescribed based off of their own baseline capabilities from strength testing and fitness testing. Um, so everybody yep. started off of their own prescribed relative fitness, and that, that helped to ensure safety as well. Mm-hmm. And how about the oncologists? How supportive were they and how comfortable were they with the uh, these women doing this intervention? Mm-hmm. So soon after their oncology treatment. They were hugely, hugely supportive. In fact, that was probably another factor I should have mentioned when you talked about adherence rates, is we did have very strong endorsements from the breast oncologist who are encouraging the participants to participate. Um, so, yeah, they, they want, you know, again, once they gave their blessing and, and didn't have any medical concerns, then they were absolutely all for it for the patients to join on. Um, and we had some who, who did join on who strongly disliked exercise but did it because their oncologist told them to do it um, and then of course ended up you know gaining benefits from the program and some of them even sort of turned a corner and said now I'm going to exercise for the rest of my life because of this and were inspired by to exercise um, so yes the oncologists were very strong um, supporters of this study which we're very thankful for well I, I thank you for taking the time to talk with me about your study I really, um, really am impressed by uh, by the the study itself and the results that uh, you were able to achieve. And I look forward to uh, to seeing follow up work because uh, I think this is really an important area. I want to encourage our listeners to take a look at the study, um, which is has been published now in uh, PTJ. And uh, again, thank you. Thank you so much for this opportunity. <laughs>